Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring, who is recording the early episode this week because Rohan couldn't handle the New England Patriots pulling off yet another comeback win on Sunday. So assuming he recovers, Rohan will be back later this week. Until then, Chris, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but do you have a favorite NFL team, or is it strictly Michigan football all the way for you? Yep, the, the latter. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a favorite football team. I have never. I'm, I'm from Chicago. Um, I'm probably one of eight people in the city that doesn't care about the Bears. Um, have you ever cared about the Bears? No, I, I haven't. I. I, I've said this to some people before. I, I don't know if I can really completely pinpoint it, but my best guess would be I was a kid that was in church, uh, I think, five times a week. Um, so that was like we had three services on Sundays, and then oh, we had one on Wednesday okay. and one on Friday. So I was preoccupied um, for much of the day Sunday after I watched football all day on Saturday as a kid. Uh, so I And I went to a big football school so I, I kind of feel like it kills your fandom the closest I ever really got to being a fan of a team I'd say as a kid without watching a whole lot of the games I was a Chiefs fan um, mm-hmm. but only because my first video game on Sega was like a Joe Montana football game <laughs> but he was in a Chiefs uniform because it was like after his 49ers year so uh, yeah it was very much one of those weird things where like I didn't even know that he would had like a whole history with the 49ers as a kid, but, and I think kind of the same thing. They had Marcus Allen at the same time. So I was a big chiefs fan and thought that Joe Montana and Marcus Allen were like these legendary figures because of their long historic runs with the chiefs, which was not the case, (laughs) but, uh, and then that was just surface level. Like I was never a huge fan, but I did. I thought that 
I thought that team was cool. I liked their uniforms, but um, no. I, I Ever since the Kaepernick stuff where I feel like he was good enough to still be in the league in some capacity and was just essentially being held out, I haven't watched any games. Um, the last game I watched was a game in person at Soldier Field. The 49ers happened to be in town and Kaepernick happened to play. And I was like, I can go out on that note. That's a pretty good note to go out on if I have to. So. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Did yeah. he win? Did Cap Cap win? Uh, I think the Bears won that day. I'm I'm pretty sure the Bears won. That was the, I mean that last season he was in San Francisco was pretty rough. So I think I'm pretty sure the Bears won that game. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not too it's not too uh, too late for you to get on the Mac Jones bandwagon. We can talk about that off air if you want. Um, I have some pamphlets and. I'm always recruiting people. <laughs> oh, it's, you're a Jehovah's Witness with Mac Jones. Great, Michael. Wonderful. I am. I am. After that third down, third, third, third and goal touchdown pass with like four to go. Um, in last in yesterday's game, Sunday's game. Um, I'm just all in on him, and it's just it's glorious times for another 20 years of of Hall of Fame caliber quarterback play in New England. We're all very excited. Um, okay, so on today's show, uh, we are going to once again open up the mailbag. And for that, please keep your emails coming in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. We've got a bunch that we want to hit today. Uh, but before we do, there are actually a couple developing news items that we wanted to touch on. Um, I use the word developing because these are not new. This is not new news. This is not breaking news, really. These two storylines have kind of just dovetailed the entire um, or large parts of the off season as just and it, to me they're really annoying and frustrating and exhausting at this point but we're going to talk about them anyway um, and uh, the first one is just is, is Kyrie Irving and over the weekend uh, Nets head coach Steve Nash uh, publicly acknowledged that Kyrie in all likelihood will not be playing home games this season and that is something that he had not done before in public at least um, making a declaration like that. And it, it just kind of um, just certified this reality and and how strange it is from the Nets' point of view of just not having one of your three best players, one of the best players in the world for home games all season long because he refuses to get vaccinated. And I just have a hard time picturing this playing out in a scenario where um, – he actually like they. Th- th- this is just like the status quo where Kyrie plays on the road. He practices at home, which they announced that that was allowed, and he plays on the road. And he's not allowed to play at in games at Barclays Center. I just have a hard time like imagining that happening throughout an entire season. Um, I could be naive there. Maybe the Nets are fine with that situation, but I I, I personally can't see it. So from that viewpoint. I want to ask you, Chris, if you were Sean Marks, um, Nets GM Sean Marks, would you be shopping Kyrie yet? Or are you good to just let this play out and just, I, I, I guess, hope for the best? I don't know what could happen beyond the mandate turning around at some point during the season. But is it just, are you are you fine with things as they are if you're Sean Marks? Or are you like, I need to get off this guy and get this guy off my team right now? I don't know that you need to because, I mean, there's also a chance that at some point he just says, okay, this is starting to just get to be too annoying. Kyrie says that potentially. And once he says that, that problem goes away at least as much as until the next Kyrie dilemma, controversy, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I think what you have to be cognizant of here 
as much as you can. And I think this was always the fear. And this was what some people pointed out when they hired Steve Nash was the idea of, are you giving too much power to these guys? Because this is who they wanted as their coach, a guy that had never coached before. Um, and I think the question here is valid too. Like, yes, it's a personal choice in as much as like Kyrie himself does not need to be vaccinated if he doesn't want to be, but there are rules that the league has. And one of those rules that the city has, not even the league, is that you have to be vaccinated to play in those home games. So at that point, it's already not a personal decision. I mean, it's, it's already not a personal issue alone. And this is what I wrote in my column about this issue is that at a minimum, it impacts his team for half the games, let alone what other things he might have to miss or not, might not be able to do with the team. Uh, that's a huge thing. I mean, it's not like a designated hitter where you signed him and you went in knowing that he can't play the field. This is something where, I mean, he essentially decided that he is not going to do that, which is his right. But it's also your right at that point to say that we can't have someone that's only going to be around half the time, period. Particularly for a contending team that has a couple of other stars where they could go out at that point. Normally when you've got as much star power as they have, it's already about, if you have two superstars, it's already about just trying to find other guys that can kind of fill in the rest of the holes you have. You could very easily go out and trade him and get other guys. And I'll throw out a name here. It'll sound, maybe it won't sound crazy. Ben Simmons is a guy that has already, a lot of people have already kind of mentioned in passing as mm-hmm. maybe making sense for that team because they could use some defenders and some other guys that can just distribute the ball that don't have as much responsibility with needing to shoot because you have guys that can do that really well and guys that can score. So, hey, you know, assuming that Ben Simmons is vaccinated, I don't know his status. Uh, hey, I mean, it, it, it potentially kind of works. Like, he availability was not his problem. Uh, he was available ever since that season where he had the foot issue. Uh, I mean, it, it, crazier things have happened. Uh, the, the, the story ha- happening in the first place is crazy enough as is. So, yeah, you, you absolutely should be. I just think you have to be careful about how you go about shopping him. But... Also, everyone in the league will understand why you're doing it. It's not that he's not a good player. It's not that he's mean. It's not that he's uh, – uh, some people would probably say he's an asshole. It's not that he's an asshole. It's that uh, we can't have this guy available for half the time, and we're trying to win a championship, period. And other teams, it's not a problem for teams that are outside the New York or the San Francisco market. So, someone, I mean, he would be appealing to a lot of people, attractive to a lot of people. Um, maybe this will have rubbed some people the wrong way, but – He's also a damn good basketball player, which is probably going to matter. Assuming he's not doing anything criminal, it's probably going to matter more than everything else. So the Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving fake trade, I was going to use that to segue into the Ben Simmons conversation, which is the other other, uh, storyline that we are going to uh, address off the top, but... So I want to I want to definitely circle back to that because it's fascinating and seems too obvious to me like it should just happen. I I I don't know why it, it hasn't right. happened frankly. It just makes so much sense and um but like do you think that like assuming that the mandate in New York City stays as is through the spring aka through the playoffs um if you're the Nets would you consider just benching Kyrie until like as a a, a tool to try to get him to motivate him to get vaccinated because like if he's if he's going to continue this and be so stubborn as to avoid getting vaccinated and 
basically not allowing himself to play in home games, if that stretches into the postseason, not playing in home games during the regular season is one thing. Not playing in home games during the playoffs is a completely different ballgame. What, so, if, what if they play the Knicks in the playoffs, bro? Like, he can't play. You just exactly. don't miss the whole series? I mean, like, that was what I was thinking about yesterday. Like, you, you think about teams gaming the system and sitting out all their guys to get certain matchups. Uh, if I'm the Knicks, like, I'm, I don't know that you're saying sign me up to play against the Nets because they're still going to be really good, but uh, that's massive if, if you have that. And it's like crazier things have happened. I mean, certainly if both teams advance the likelihood of that happening just increases so i mean if you if your question for me was going to be do you just bench him and force him that way i don't think you can Mm. because and god i would hate the storylines if that happens because i'm already imagining fox news having a field day if the idea is like oh you're punishing the guy because he's making a personal choice no again it has gone outside of merely personal choice when there is a rule set up that he can't play half the games. That is hurting the Nets if he can't play. Um, does it make sense to do that and, and shoot yourself in the foot further from that standpoint as opposed to trying to get something for him? I think even Harden and KD would understand if you say, we got to get something for him because we can't have him be a half, you know, a half the time sort of player. Like we're on the cusp here. We're running the risk of not being able to have enough if he's out. So I think they would understand it. And if you're letting that drive your decision-making where we don't want to run Katie, Katie's there for a while, but like you don't want to run Harden out the door um, and have it give him incentive to leave necessarily. I, I, I think having a conversation with them and saying like, look, we really want to have him here, but like we also want to win a championship and we're, our chances are lower with Kyrie not being available or in particular not being available for the playoffs you know, the home games in the playoffs. So I think you can Mm -hmm. shop them and do it while informing them potentially, if it looks like this is going to be a stalemate. But I just think Kyrie does not march to the same beat that everybody else does. Kyrie will say, fine, sit me out. The players association would fight that. I don't know what grounds they'll have to fight the city's rules, but if you're voluntarily sitting him out as a way to try to force him into it, the players association will fight it. The nets will owe that money. And at that point, nobody wins. It turns into the Simmons thing, except more important, because you actually could have had him for half the games and you just chose not to. So I I would sooner shop him than I would say, let's try to force him into playing by playing chicken with them. I I wouldn't do that. Would you? No, I wouldn't. I don't think that that is a like a realistic route here for all the reasons that you outlined. I just thought it was an interesting thought exercise to, to broach because again, I just, I just have such a hard time imagining like, like thinking about a nationally televised game on ESPN in, in November. Right. And Kyrie can't play a nationally televised game in Brooklyn. Kyrie can't play. It's just like, it's such a distraction. It's going to be a distraction the whole season. Like, that's all people are going to be talking about. It's like this guy sitting yep. on the bench or wherever. I guess he can't sit on the bench then. He won't even be in the arena. Um, unable to play. And when the Nets, if the Nets do struggle, which I don't, I don't think they'll struggle at all, even without Kyrie. But if they were to, if KD were to get hurt for a little while, if Harden were to get hurt for a little while, then it just kind of magnifies the issue. And as a championship contender, as a team that is constructed to be one of the most talented, if not the most talented team 
ever in the history of basketball. Like those are the stakes right now for these Brooklyn Nets. Ruining that is it's just it's it would be so costly. So I I don't really know what you do here. And you said earlier something interesting, which is that a lot of teams would be interested in having Kyrie. And I think that that is true because he's, you know, he's uh, in his prime, uh, one of the, I don't even know, one of the three, four most talented point guards in the league easily, 50-40-90 last year, just a walking bucket. Um also has a $36.5 million player option for next season that he could opt out of, which if you were to trade for him, you're basically getting a guy for one season and then it's it's a rental situation most likely. So I think that the when we talk about hypothetical trades with Kyrie beyond the Ben Simmons um, fake scenario that we broached earlier that we're going to come back to a little bit, like... Are there any teams that you think could realistically give up something um, that Brooklyn would be interested in in taking for Kyrie? Like, are there any fake trades out there for Kyrie that makes sense um, realistically given his situation and given his contract and given who he is and there's like the threat of retirement? Like, you just don't know what you're going to get with Kyrie Irving. Um I'll throw one at you that I'm I've been thinking about that I think there's flaws in it but I I just struggle really to find any good trade beyond the Ben Simmons for Kyrie one which is just so clean but sending Kyrie to the Dallas Mavericks for Kristaps Porzingis and Jalen Brunson that's like the best fake Kyrie trade I think I have for you what do you think about that one <laughs> damn like it, yeah, it 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 works. I uh, I man, like you said, I it's so crazy. I've left you too, speechless. Yes, you have. This is probably the first time this has happened since we started podcasting together. I don't I don't love it, but I don't think that there's. I mean, that's the whole point of a trade like this is you're not trading them because you really want to. You're trading them because you almost feel like you have to. But also, you're trading him for a guy that also has availability problems without a vaccine being involved. So sure. there's that part of it. And also, when I think of the things that Brooklyn has going on right now, they don't have long-term money on their books that's really screwing them up. Uh, if Porzingis gets hurt, which obviously is always a concern with him, you potentially have like a max spot on a team where you really, really need the cap space to remake things if stuff is going bad because you, you're going to have, if they're healthy, two of the best 10 players in the league, and then you've got everything else on, on that roster. Um, you really cannot... I mean, that's kind of the issue that Dallas has right now, quite frankly, if we're being honest, is like in the moments where Chris Stapps is not producing or healthy, you've got an all-world player, and then you've got, you know, theoretically you've got a max spot that's kind of clogged by Chris Stapps. So... Talent-wise, yes, but just in terms of availability and stuff like that, uh, I don't know that I would love that. I would understand it. And it's crazy that, I mean, can you have imagined three years ago, when did they make the Porzingis trade to send him to Dallas? Was it three years ago? Yeah, when Durant, because um, Durant missed one year. He played last year, so it was three years ago, yes. I think. Um, could you have imagined at one point having a conversation about Kevin Durant James Harden and 
Chris Stapps on the same team, let alone Kyrie instead. I mean, but then also the idea of like, oh, well, we're going to move on from Kyrie, like, and we're just going to bring in Chris Stapps and bring in a guy that, you know, is maybe one of the best two or three backup point guards in the league, all on the same team. Like, just to even be having this conversation is wild, but that's what we're talking about here is like, I can understand Kyrie having his personal views on this, but if nothing else, and I mean, I guess kind of backhanded shout out to Kyrie for standing his ground with something that he truly believes in or truly feels. But even if it was just for the sake of like winning a championship, you're not going to lose this year if you guys stay healthy, probably. I mean, like, I don't know. I would maybe probably say I feel 60% confident, maybe more, if they at least stay healthy enough and they're all able to play in the playoffs and be relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you're going to say that, you know, stand on this principle, normally we applaud that. I'm not going to fully applaud it here just because for obvious reasons, but it, man, you're giving up a whole lot here. Or maybe you're not. Maybe he sees it as something where he's gaining by doing this, but it's just a, like I said, I'm already annoyed by the storylines that are going to come from it. I already am. Like, if the Nets were actually to go as far as to say we're going to try to push him into a corner as well, the same way that the league and the city is doing. I'm already annoyed. I'm already like I thought the Simmons storyline was the most annoying one. No, it's 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 this one. <laughs> it's this one easy by like times two. It's more annoying times four. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, 
I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Are, are there any teams like that you think could just, you know, just looking at it from a basketball perspective, yeah. like even just like I'm looking at it from like who needs a point guard? Like what teams need a point guard that would make sense to just because like if you're trading for Kyrie, you're, you're thinking, OK, we are either close to the, winning the championship with Kyrie, like that's the missing piece for us, or we're confident we can re-sign him. And we also have these pieces on our roster that we're willing to give up that the Brooklyn Nets want. And so that's where it just gets really confusing. But are there any teams out there that you think would actually be interested in taking and absorbing Kyrie Irving right now? Mm. No, I mean, the the team that came to mind for me is one that probably doesn't really need him, which is, I feel like Portland has been crying for a shakeup for the longest. You have Dame there already. And I don't know, I don't know how excited you get about McCollum. Like, he would fit Brooklyn fine. Uh you know, they don't I don't think he really helps defensively, but gives him like another guy that, you know, has been asked to do a lot in Portland, uh alongside Dame, but is also used to playing with someone else that has the ball in his hands a lot, so it would probably fit really well. But I don't you know, if you're Portland, I don't know how excited you get. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that Portland would do it. Um but also you never know, man. Portland when I think about cities that are like San Francisco and New York, Portland might also implement their own set of rules that say that you have to be vaccinated to play in an arena like that. Like if the pandemic gets worse, so that would be uh-huh. a nightmare scenario. So maybe that doesn't make sense either, but I'm just struggling to come up with teams where it makes that much sense to do something like that and that they would have enough to trade back in exchange for him. I, I can't think of anybody. So the other one that I have, I have, a, I have a few listed here, but I don't want to go through all of them. Cause I don't, I think a lot of it is just kind of pie in the sky. But the sure. Pelicans are kind of interesting to me because for you have who? Brandon Ingram. Are you willing to give up Brandon Ingram for a year of Kyrie, then Kyrie potentially bouncing? You have the David nope. Griffin-Kyrie uh, connection there from their time in Cleveland. So there's you know some possibility maybe of Griffin being able to talk to Kyrie, get through to him, um, re-sign him to... You're just shaking your head. You just don't. You don't like this. At no, all. I just, I just, I just don't. <laughs> because I, I'll be damned if I'm giving up Brandon Ingram for like. I mean, I, I've used this phrase in my story for a while now, but Kyrie and, and God bless him because I, I mean, he's wildly talented and and like I said in my column about him, he's not always wrong about everything. Like I think he's been spot on on a couple of things or at least one or two things. Um, but I'll be damned <laughs> if I'm going to give up Brandon Ingram. For a, a Mario's mystery box, like I'm not doing it, and particularly, I mean, it would be different if he was locked into a four year deal, and some of these questions come up. But no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that for Ingram. And Kyrie's a better player than Ingram. It's not a question of that, but mm-hmm. you know, Ingram could still develop further. I don't think Kyrie's going to develop further from what he is. Um, and who knows? Like we'll see the fallout of all this, but um, I mean. It, <laughs> The, the pandemic's not going away, and I guess my fear is like if it gets worse or if other viruses pop up and we're going to need more vaccinations for more things, and Kyrie's kind of holding out with regards to this, like you don't know what could happen. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I just have questions about it. 
Kyrie doesn't help one of their main problems, which is defense, which, again, Kyrie's better than Ingram, so maybe you just look at it from that standpoint. But I'm not taking the chances with that. I would just rather keep Ingram and figure it out. I think I agree with you. And I don't think any of the other teams that I have listed here are better than the Pelicans, so we're just going to pivot right on ahead to Ben Simmons. Um, On Monday morning, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted, uh, Sixers officials and Clutch CEO Rich Paul have progressed in talks over recent days on a resolution to bring all-star Ben Simmons back to Philadelphia in the near future. The plan remains for the Sixers to continue canvassing the league for trades, but the possibility of Simmons reporting to the team has increased in recent days. So none of this says that Ben Simmons is like pumped to go back to Philadelphia and put on a Sixers jersey <laughs> and actually play basketball for the Philadelphia right. 76ers. Like that, that is not what this tweet says at all. Nope. There is, you know, in reading Woj's actual story on ESPN.com, there is like Doc, there's a, there's an insinuation that Doc Rivers is hopeful that he can talk to Ben Simmons and that they can kind of patch together their relationship and keep Ben in Philadelphia in the long term. I, I, I still think that ship has sailed. I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But what was your just like your gut reaction when you saw these tweets about him going back to Philly? Does it mean anything? Same thing that you thought where I I looked at it, particularly Shams' tweet. I can't remember what Woj just said, but it was something about how like they're nearing a deal. I'm like, what, they're going to rewrite the man's contract? That sort of deal? (laughs) Like what? What deal are you – what, you're going to put something in writing? Like, what's the deal that Ben Simmons is going to show up and do his job? Which, again, I, would, I, I wouldn't I would probably roll with it and handle it the way that Simmons and, and Rich Paul have, but it was always kind of a question of, like, how much leverage do you really have to do this with? Like, you're just going to have all that money just sitting there and just let it go out in the window for each game you miss when there's not a clear trade on the horizon? Okay, go ahead. So – from that standpoint, there was that. Now, also, you had Embiid talk about it last week. You've had, you know, all the stuff that the Sixers have said for the last few months, Doc included. Um, there was always a question of how you were going to put Humpty Dumpty back together again if this wasn't going to, this trade wasn't going to happen. And man, Humpty Dumpty is going to have some cracks. I mean, maybe you put them back together. <laughs> Let me see right quick, just for you, Michael. I didn't even know I was going to have this. I had to put something together recently. I got some gorilla glue. You know, maybe the Sixers, <laughs> maybe the Sixers can make use of that. But look, they're still going to be really talented, and I think that they'll win a lot of games. I think that this is something where the playoffs. Ben Simmons is always talented enough to come back. You always have the potential to still win a championship with him, but I think it's a playoff question. He's going to put up his regular season numbers. He he may not ever shoot a jump shot ever in life. That wasn't ever the problem in the regular season, but in the playoffs. That stuff comes and hinders you. And so they'll be fine if they could all put aside their ego, I think. Um, but I'm sure there are hurt feelings there, and I'm sure they have not completely gone away. I'm also sure Ben Simmons didn't want to lose out on $35 million if he was going to sit out the whole year, which is kind of you know half the question that Kyrie is facing. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how, either, how much either one of those people care about their money, but that's kind of always what both of these were going to come down to at some point. Money talks, and uh, Ben Simmons will reportedly lose uh, $1 million 
after today's game against that the Sixers are playing the Nets and obviously Ben Simmons will not play in it so he'll be out a million dollars which is just it hurts my soul to even think about that man like I'm not Ben Simmons I don't have his salary but like losing a 35th of my salary would not be fun uh it just wouldn't and you know, shout outs to people that can do that. And, and I, I, my hunch <laughs> for why they're having these conversations, I'm giving shout outs to a lot of people that I don't actually want to give shout outs to. But, um, you know, I'm obviously of the opinion that he really is not enthused about losing that money either, which is why he's, who knows, maybe the Sixers feel it just as badly as he does. But um, the idea that they were broken up and now they're back together again seems like more like we had to make this happen because what choice did we really have or what choice did he really have? Over under three games for the rest of Ben Simmons' life in a Sixers uniform. What are you? What are you, are you taking over. the over or the under? Over, over. Because I don't. I mean, unless we see a Woj or a Shams follow up tweet a few days from now, that would need to, a trade would need to happen in the next couple weeks, basically. And if it's not a trade, then it goes back to Ben Simmons losing money, which I don't know definitively who called whom. Uh, to set this back up to get him back to Philly, but I'm I'm just and this is there's no reporting going into this, so I don't mean to you know to come off as all being all knowing, but I'm venturing to guess that the escalating money that Ben Simmons was going to lose was a factor here because there isn't a clear resolution in sight, and if that's the case, then he is potentially going to lose a whole year's worth of money unless a deal happens. And we haven't heard of anything. If anything, we've heard about deals falling apart or things that teams weren't going to give up to get them. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's the over, you know, in terms of two and a half, three games, whatever. I, I'm guessing he's going to end up playing for them because he really doesn't have a choice. But do you think the other scenario, and maybe I'm wrong here and I don't know how things work in, in the world, but couldn't there be a scenario where he goes back to Philadelphia gets paid but they reach a conclusion like the when we talk about the deal between the two sides it's it's you will be in philadelphia and you will maybe travel with the team or whatever but you will not play because in it this is this is not unprecedented but like okay we're trying to trade you we don't want you to actually play you clearly don't want to play with your teammates so you're just wasting everybody's time here and you're taking minutes away from someone like Tyrese Maxey or any of the other younger guys who we could play who we know are going to pulls be a hard potentially right so I think that maybe that's what they're talking about right now as a scenario to try to make this less messy than it already is but I maybe don't. maybe my, my thing is this and this I, I kind of feel like this has been the question for a while and to some extent, it's the same. It's just a a derivative of the Kyrie conversation we just had. Harden did that. And Harden was getting some pretty negative response and analysis out of what he did to start he last was, season. yes. I mean, there's me no included. question about that. Right. And that's Harden. And that's like Harden being where he is, MVP level, for, what, five years running at that point? Maybe more, maybe six, however long he'd been doing that in Houston. So Harden was generating that sort of criticism. Ben Simmons is clearly one of the best defensive players in the league. Who knows? Maybe he'll win DPOY at one point, at some point. He's not James Harden. And, like, he's basically either, like you said, maybe he comes out, maybe it's a waste of everybody's time. But 
I mean, it's a, it would be a waste of everybody's time because he's not playing up to the hopes and expectations that they have. And he, he's not really showing vast improvement or really effort to improve as far as like trying things in a game that might make his game better. So if, if the situation's uncomfortable and untenable in part because he, he just decided that it was, and granted, like, I think I will give him the benefit of the doubt in some regard and saying that like Doc's comment or his lack of comment where he said he really didn't know whether they could win a championship with Ben Simmons or not. That was a stunning sort of comment that it, yes, when he said it, it did make it difficult to see how, how there's a way forward here. But I mean, that was essentially what was said, you know, Embiid made the comment about, you know, I thought when that play happened, that that was when everything changed when essentially when Simmons didn't take that shot at the rim. Okay, fine. Two hurtful things, maybe a little bit. You don't think that the last few months have been hurtful to the Sixers or maybe hurtful is the wrong word, but like you don't think that's been damaging to them in the same way that, you know, that maybe they can't find a trade for you or whatever. It, it's, it's hurt everybody's ego here, everybody. So you put your ego aside just a little bit to say, I'll play. We'll try to figure out. I really still do want to be traded. He could maybe even go on record as saying that, that he would prefer that. And maybe that kind of puts the Sixers further into a spot where they have to make something happen. But I, it shouldn't be that hard to go out and play just because they, you know, they said that, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Or, yeah, not everything has gone the way we want it to go. That's obvious. That's really obvious to everybody. We all know that. You might as well just play it out. You don't want to get hurt. But I also feel like if you go out there and play and you're not playing your hardest and not giving your best effort, you have a better chance of getting hurt. So you shouldn't want to go out there and half-ass it either. So I don't know. It shouldn't be that difficult. I kind of feel like all this stuff has been made out to be way too dramatic. Um, and, you know, finding a resolution shouldn't be this hard. But I don't know what the Sixers are asking for. So circling back to the Kyrie for Simmons trade that we that you mentioned at the top. I'm I'm curious, like, just to cap off this conversation and move on from it hopefully forever. Um <laughs> that'd be nice. Who <laughs> who who wins that trade, do you think? Like which team is better if who wins the trade and then which team part two is which team is better like after the trade that you would pick in a playoff series, assuming that those two actually are or are potentially meet in the playoffs. <laughs> this will sound so bad. I'm gonna. It's a serious question. It's a good question. I'm gonna give you a slight hypothetical. After this year, man, maybe maybe the Nets just look to play. You know how the Rays were gonna play in Montreal, or they've talked about playing in Montreal. Find another city that you can play in, so Kyrie can play all the time and win. Run off your dynasty. Figure everything else out later. <laughs> you do that. You don't have to worry about making a trade. You just get to win forever, you know, and have the best team in the league probably if you stay anywhere near healthy. Uh, what I'll say is that um, it, depending on how much longer the pandemic runs and how much longer this rule is in place, um, Brooklyn probably wins it from the standpoint of having Simmons available if the other guys can stay healthy, if Harden and Durant stay healthy. If Harden gets hurt or if KD gets hurt, that looks a lot less attractive to me. Like, that does not strike me as a team that certainly wins a championship, is a favorite to win a championship, because then Simmons' glaring issue comes back to light, in my opinion. Um, now, that said, I mean, if you have Kyrie in Philly, 
that becomes really fascinating because that's a really, really, really good team. A really good team. Um, it's still potentially combustible because I'm sure Kyrie would find something else to, you know, to bring into the news or to call flat or to, you know, to say he's doing his own research about. But that would just basketball wise, um, there might even be an argument to say that you like that team more than the team in Brooklyn. Maybe not quite, but I mean, it's a really, really, really good team. That's a really good team. Uh, I don't know. I, so I, I, I don't know. Long term, I, 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 I think I like Brooklyn more um, for both of those situations just because I feel like Embiid is still a question mark and Kyrie is a question mark. Having two question marks together, I feel like at one point one of them is going to fizzle out or something will happen or something will go wrong. Uh, whereas Brooklyn seems a little bit more stable than that with the guys they would have left, including Simmons. I think Simmons' issue is more of just like a frustration than anything that, to do with an injury or anything having to do with something that could keep you out for half the games. But uh, like I said, I don't know Simmons' vaccination status, so I would certainly hope he's vaccinated if, uh, if we're talking about sending him to Brooklyn and Kyrie's place. But I think I'd feel a little bit better about Brooklyn's long-term situation than Philly's, but Philly, just as far as top to bottom their roster, that's a really nice-looking roster. If you've got, you finally solved that point guard issue and that's who you're solving it with, that's nice. I think Philly wins the trade because Kyrie's better, just to be as simple as possible. And I also think that Kyrie plus Embiid, given all the questions that you're bringing up here with you know health and um, the need to Google things when a doctor tells you differently, um, I think that the ceiling there with Philly is very, very high, a lot higher than it was with Simmons. Um, for all the things that Simmons does in the playoffs, guarding Kyrie and Bead pick and rolls, like, good Lord, I don't even know. I don't know what you do there. So it'd be interesting. I still would take the Nets because they have KD and Harden. If those two guys are healthy, then forget about it. But right. that's that's a fascinating trade right there. And I, I just I think the NBA would just be so much more interesting if it happened and we could finally put to bed this just really um, aggravating uh, dueling conversations around these two players who are really talented and whatever. I just, I'm done with talking about it. It's so, (laughs) it stinks. I did not want to have three quarters of this podcast revolve around these two, but here we are. Um, Okay. I'm glad that we get to put this to bed now. Do you have anything else you want to say about Simmons and Kyrie or can we move on to, can we open up the mailbag a little bit? Nope. Let's move on. Let's move it. Let's move on. Let's open up the bag. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so I just said open up the mailbag, and actually, um, I lied a little bit, partially. Uh, This was not a question that anyone mailed in, but I wanted to ask it. So I'm being honest with everyone and just throwing it out there that no one wrote this in. This is just the pod speaking, um, and I feel like it's a really interesting discussion question. And um, Chris, it's it's what five man lineup that has yet to pl- ever play a single minute together are you most interested in watching this season? Um. Well, it, it's a lineup that I think. Well, I guess no, they will not have played together. Boston's will be interesting. Boston is retooling. You know, as far as the stuff around Horford, I want to see what exactly what he has left in meaningful basketball. So not playing for Oklahoma city. Um, I want to uh-huh. see that. And I want to see how they look. If they're using just him out there, if they're, I mean, in, in some ways we will have seen some of these guys play together, but with guys having a whole lot more seasoning to play with someone like Horford, who was seasoned plenty before. And now, you know, is, is basically a little bit older, but I want to see that lineup roll out there. And, Quite frankly, and now we've seen a little bit of it, but it's the the Bulls. I, I keep saying that um, they are three and zero now. They've looked good. They looked a little rougher yesterday um, without some of Cleveland's best guys. But I don't know what to think about them. So I've said that about them a couple times, and I want to see Clay back out there. That's a lineup that we will have seen already. The the key part of it, the core of it, but Clay out there with his new set of guys, and some in some cases a team that's been very retooled. Uh, a freshly vaccinated Wiggins. Uh, I, 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 I'm curious to see, like, basically how different will some of these guys look with teams that they've been with already? So Clay and, and Horford, because I, I really do feel like these are things that swing the balance potentially of what the rest of their conference looks like. And, and certainly with what we've talked about with, with Brooklyn and, you know, potentially Philly, if, if they do end up swinging a trade, hell, what does Simmons look like with these same guys? And is Simmons going to sit in a corner? 
and just stand there with his arms folded. Um, so some of, I'm, I'm actually really intrigued by the ones where it's guys that have been there, but really not really, at least not in their present situation. So talking about Golden State for a second, um, so Steph, Clay, Draymond, you said Wiggins. Who would the fifth? Who's the fifth guy in that group that you most want to see? Is it Wiseman? Pool. Is it is it like, Porter? Pool. Oh God, yes. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so Poole. glad you said that. I mean, Pool. And it's funny because I I did my my column, whatever you want to call it, last week on the idea of like the X factors this year, and I out of nowhere, and everybody that I mentioned was like a guy that at max level, if he's playing at his best could swing the shift the balance of who wins a title. Maybe the one guy you could argue that maybe wasn't like that was was Michael Porter. Everybody else was like a guy that was on a contending team. Um I didn't mention anybody about Golden State because I you know I don't know if I'm completely convinced on them just yet. Partly because I think Clay is certainly going to be that guy. If Clay's not himself, they don't have a chance of winning a title this year. They just don't. Um if he's not back to the way he was before, they don't have a chance. But everybody was like shouting at me from Golden State land, basically saying like, how's Jordan Poole not part of this? How's he not an X factor? And I'm like, okay, he's certainly not more of an X factor than Clay as it relates to the title. But hell, I like Jordan Poole. Like I've liked Jordan Poole since he was in the pros. Before he was in the pros, he's a Michigan guy. That's your um, boy. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked him and like, like always seen some potential there. He had a very rough first season, made a big jump last year, and it seems like he's already made a big jump. Like it kind of reminds me of some of the leaps that we'd seen Taylor Horton Tucker taking with uh, with the Lakers, where even in preseason you could just see he was different. And Poole kind of looks that way now. So I like I'm very interested to see that team. It, it, it's basically him having grown up a little bit and Wiggins, but it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty nice lineup, you know. Considering like if Clay can be ninety to ninety five percent of what Clay was before, which that might be asking a lot. He's missed a lot of time. It may take him a while to get back to that. How old is Clay now? Like these aren't spring chickens anymore, as far as like exactly how young they are. Um, mm-hmm. Between he and and, and Steph, um, you know. But he has a really difficult skill set to replicate. So nobody can really do what he does. I don't even know if he can do what he did before. But if he can, that's a really interesting lineup that I'm really interested in seeing. Clay is 31, turns 32 in February. Uh, you mentioned Taylor Horton Tucker just had surgery on his right thumb, I believe. So the Lakers, their season is over before it began. I apologize to all the Lakers fans <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, Jordan Poole is so awesome. And I wrote about him last year um, in a column. And he's just, he just has it. Like, he is so aesthetically pleasing watching him play basketball. Like the move he put on Wayne Ellington, like that side, that's like the Steve Smith, like half semi spin step back three. That was just, it looked like Wayne Ellington looked like me. If I had to defend an NBA player, like it was just so filthy. (laughs) And um, so I loved, I love Jordan Poole. I think him playing next to like when clay gets back, Hopefully Clay gets back to what he was pre-injury, pre-injuries. But Clay, Poole, Curry, and then you really don't need like the other two guys to be great shooters because I think that those no. three. And I'm I'm not saying that Poole is as good a shooter as Curry or as Clay, but he's a damn good shooter. 
Um, he's not someone you can leave alone. Spot up. He can create his own shot, too. The pull-ups are there. So they're very dangerous. Um, maybe you can, like, Iguodala and Draymond can play together fine with those three. And that, that lineup would be just absolutely disgusting. Or Wiggins, as you said, who's a, a credible spot-up three-point shooter. So that, that, that lineup is going to be really fun. I also can't wait to see that. Um, I have a few listed here. I don't need to read all of them. But one that I'm... I, I don't want to overreact too much to the preseason, but Tyler Hero looks very feisty in the preseason, and his numbers have been very good. And it's just like if this guy takes a leap this season, uh, it changes everything. So a lineup I can't wait to see, and hopefully it plays a decent amount. I don't know if it will. But Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero – I I don't know what you do with that that group right there. I mean that the foursome, the first four guys defensively is just it, 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 that's like I don't. It's like trying to steal junk from a junkyard with uh like a half a dozen snarling pit bulls around. Like it's just it, it, you're not you're gonna get bit. It's just what's gonna happen. <laughs> Highly descriptive. So, <laughs> I, I love how descriptive it was, but holy hell. Why are you trying to make me scared in the middle of the day? <laughs> so, so that is a uh, a lineup I can't wait to see play basketball together. Hopefully, Spo gives them some time. I assume that Tyler Hero will come off the bench. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he he'll start. I I would think that Duncan Robinson's going to start in any group that looks like that. But but that's a group that I've I'm kind of having my eye on, and I feel like people are sleeping a little bit, me included, on Miami. Like. I love their offseason, and then it was just kind of like, okay, actually, these guys are really old, and they'll be good in the playoffs, but in the regular season, it's going to be kind of tough for them to kind of get their feet under them and everybody get um, acclimated with each other. But if Tyler Hero looks this good, and he's actually like going to average 18 or 19 a game this season and uh, shoot 40-something percent from the three-point line, like... The Miami Heat are, are going to be a real problem. Real problem. Yeah, I I could I could see something happening where they finish fifth or sixth. I could see it. I don't know if it will happen that way, but it's a team that I think to some extent is going to be built for the the playoffs. Butler seemingly misses a little bit of time each mm-hmm. year. Lowry, you might want him to in a year like this, where you know he's not old, but he's up there for his position certainly and a guy that really gives up his body. You just need these guys healthy. Um, you know, you'd love to go in as a one or a two seed, but I don't think you're certainly with Butler and Lowry and guys like that. They're not going to be afraid of playing on the road if they have to for an extra game in a series. So, um, yeah, they're, I mean, they, they, they've always been interesting. I mean, I, I think really you could make the argument that of all the teams this off season, they were enough. Of, they were enough in the con- contending conversation if they got, a guy that could play point guard and be like an upgrade. They got Lowry. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been interesting to see them do that. And a couple of guys that you feel like might be able to take a leap or make a leap. And they already have a guy like Butler and to not really hear them in the conversation much. Um, I'll be honest, you know, Brooklyn had been dominating a lot of the conversation. There's a huge wrench that they might have thrown in their situation with the Kyrie stuff. Milwaukee is the other team that I think is, you know, is not going to change at all. So kind of the antithesis of your question is like yep. five man lineup. You haven't seen. Um, I just think Milwaukee 
will potentially gum it up for everybody else because they're they're going to be solid. They know exactly what they are, who they are, exactly who they're going to have. Um, so I'm excited to see a lot, but I there is a part of me that wonders if certainly Miami, if they were getting maybe short tripped in those conversations, but Milwaukee just staying static. I think that you know, including being able to keep Portis, which I didn't think they're going to be able to do. Um, you know, they, they they'll be boring because they'll be the same team. But I, I think that you know they're gonna. I think they need to be more prevalent in the conversation of just who's going to win this year, or who will win this year. Like I think with the Kyrie situation as is, there's no question about my Milwaukee wins the East in, in the regular season again. Like as the as the one seed, um, you know I, th- I think it's easy at this point. Like I I don't even know who would take them out at this point unless Giannis is hurt for a long time. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, so let's close today's episode with this really fascinating email from from Will, who writes, I've been reading Sports Illustrated NBA articles for a long time, but just discovered your podcast. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Will. This question is about top 10 NBA players of all time. My list is Jordan number one, LeBron number two, Kareem number three, and I could explain my reasoning why, but that would be a very long essay. 
Thank you, Will. Um, Magic and Bird are tied for four and five. Kobe, Shaq, Duncan are tied for six, seven, eight. Some might find it blasphemous for me to put Wilt and Bill Russell at nine and 10, but I was born in 1985. And to me, they just played a different game of basketball that I have never seen. So my question is, are there any players playing right now that could push someone out of this list? Can Kobe, Shaq, or Duncan really fall out of the top 10? And if so, which one of them? Keep up the good work from Will. So we've kind of had conversations like this in the past, um, but it's a very fun hypothetical to just think about um, great active players. I mean, there's a few just off the top of my head that we can go through. And then I have kind of a wild card name that I'm going to throw at you in a minute. But just, you know... When I say KD, when I say Steph Curry, when I say Giannis, Luca, all of those guys have a shot at the top 10 all time, would you say, or you, do you disagree? No, I think they all do. I think some are closer than others. I think, look, we're going to have a tough conversation at some point, or not, you know, depending on who it is. About, I think KD is, <laughs> is really the toughest one to really peg here because... Look, our society at this point, at least guys our age, a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, seem to care more about the rings part of it. But we we were used to seeing people win rings in a pretty organic sense. Katie kind of broke that mold entirely. I mean, you could mm-hmm. argue that LeBron did to some extent too. Katie really broke it with what he did. And I mean, if he wins with Brooklyn, with the way they've kind of arranged that team, Granted, he went there with Kyrie, which was not something that was like a guaranteed championship, but then they've added Harden. So I don't know. Maybe it won't be viewed in like a, you know, where there's like a demerit with it necessarily, but um, his championships will have been won in a slightly different fashion than some other people's. Um, but I also think that you could make the argument we'll probably walk away from this era saying that he was the greatest scorer to have lived in an era where like scoring just exploded and when skills are at an all-time high in the NBA. So how you would keep somebody like that out of the conversation when he will have, theoretically will have, let's, I don't know. Let's say Brooklyn wins two more titles. Let's say they win three titles or that KD somehow wins three more titles, whether it's with Brooklyn, whether he moves somewhere else. If this dude has four or five titles and really could have had another, had he not torn an Achilles, Maybe. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would have the rings. He would have all sorts of scoring accolades and stuff like that. Um, and he would have like more skill, maybe scoring skill, than anybody ever. Like, How are you not having him in the conversation for top five, top six now, quite frankly, let alone like once he's done with his career? Um, just based on kind of what he's accomplished. So, and, you know, has gotten to be a much better defensive player that I don't think anyone looks forward to having to go against defensively. I mean, the guy is really, really well-rounded from that standpoint. So KD probably is already in that conversation as far as I'm concerned. Whether everybody feels that way or not, I'm not sure. I think you and I are more in line in terms of thinking that already. Um, I don't have Kobe as a top 10 all-time. I just don't... uh, incredibly incredibly skilled you know someone that looked the part of jordan i don't think quite was there you know as far as jordan 
necessarily, but is the closest thing we've seen to him as far as just the way he played the game. Um, you know, so I don't, I already, like, I probably have him just outside that conversation, quite frankly. Um, I think Duncan was fine. I think Shaq, I would probably have in that conversation too. Um, I think Steph is the the next one for sure that you at least have in that range where you wonder how much higher can they climb a guy that fundamentally has changed the sport forever. I don't think we'll ever go back to a game like what we saw in the 1990s or even the early right. 2000s. So I think that you can make an argument for him where it's like the way we talk about, even if you don't think Steph is one of the 10 best players of all time, you know how they do that thing now with Hall of Fames where they'll induct someone that for whatever reason didn't make it during their own era, but then they get brought in as like a like an old-timers sort of Hall of Famer. I right. feel like Steph is probably a good example of someone that like even if you don't have him as a top 10 guy, you kind of put him in your honorary top 10 because you do recognize that like no one's ever been as good as Steph is at what he does and that whether or not you like him or the way he plays or if you feel like he's hurt the game, uh, you have a whole generation of people that are now going to play the game a certain way because of how he played it. So I would probably put him in my top 10. Uh, maybe not everybody would, but I would probably either I would either put him in my top 10 or he would be on the cusp and have a chance of getting there. Aside from what you just said about Giannis, I think Luca will have a chance. Um, you know, I do think Luca will probably need to win some playoff series pretty soon whether he gets better teammates or not uh, you know it's very hard to be in that conversation when you don't have postseason success but Giannis I think is probably you know if, if he wins another MVP there aren't you know, it's, it's very rarefied air anywhere where he's at certainly for 26 but uh, if he wins another MVP that that gap gets a lot smaller very quickly and um, you know it'll be one of those things where you look up and you look at everything he's accomplished and you said oh wow how can we not have him in that conversation? It's kind of the same way that I think you have to do with KD, quite frankly. Yeah, I I think all the names that I mentioned could be t- – and I, I don't know if Luca. are we too soon? To, should I have not included him in this? I feel like – I don't know. He's already a two-time first-team All-NBA player. Um I don't know. I feel like he should be, even though he has not won a playoff series yet. But assuming uh, things go right for him, uh, his career will be absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, but I think that KD, Steph, and Giannis are on a different level. The other names that I have here, I don't know if they have the potential, but Anthony Davis, does he have potential to be top 10 all time, do you think? like I, I struggle I, with I, that one. I, I, I can tell so, you why yeah. too. It's it's part of that is actually what I was just saying about Luca, where at a certain point, um, it's very rare that you get someone that is just you can make the Hall of Fame without some of the postseason success and stuff like that. But I think I can't point to anybody that was in the you know, that I would have in my top ten or anywhere near my top ten that wasn't winning in the playoffs and wasn't at least putting a threat into everybody to make the you know the championship, the finals round and stuff like that. All those guys did. And even a lot of the guys that are just outside that conversation, I don't think most people would have Malone, for instance, in their top 10 of all time. But like yeah. he and Stockton were regularly. <laughs> Absolutely not. Right, right. But like those guys were regularly right on the cusp of winning a championship. So uh, Luca, like I, I'm not saying that he won't be in the top 10 because I'm saying if he were to have this sort of career and – I mean, he's, he'd break a lot of records. Someone pointed out 
he's already like basically a top 10 scorer of all time for the Mavs and he's only been playing for a couple years and I was like that's insane you know because the Mavs have a lot of guys that have accomplished a lot in basketball um so it's kind of crazy to think about that but um you know I I think the likelihood of him playing for a long time and not you know, advancing and doing well in the playoffs and having his team do well in the playoffs. They'll even just if they luck up and win one or two, they'll do it. You know, they've already come very close. I think it's more happenstance that they haven't yet. Um, so, I mean, Luke, I, I feel pretty confident that he'll be he'll be sniffing that conversation at le- at the very least with what he's done. He's, I mean, some of his rookie numbers were comparable to the guys that we talk about as being the best or second best, third best of all time. So I'm pretty confident that he'll get there, and um, and I agree with you on that, that he'll be in that conversation at some point if he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, top 10 all-time is a ridiculous bar, we should say. Like, it's, it's really hard to even process how great you have to be. But the one name that I want to throw at you that I've been saving, uh, and I was doing a little bit of research this morning to see if I could if I could craft a, a realistic argument for him, potentially someday getting in to this uh, ever-objective uh, pantheon. But uh, James Harden? And what would need to happen there is, uh, you know, obviously he needs to win at least one championship, probably two, maybe three, which is frankly possible um, given the the situation that he's in right now next to KD. Um, He could win another MVP um, and has finished. He's won one already um, has finished like second, I don't know, like three times in his career, which is kind of ridiculous, but there's a world where James Harden cracks the top 10, assuming that he stays healthy over the next three seasons, at least and plays at a pretty high level, conservatively, there's a world where he cracks top 10 in career points, top 15 in career assists. The only other player who can say that is LeBron. So if you add the rings, and he has the numbers um, just over a career span, you could make a case for Harden, frankly. And he's also revolutionary in his own way, talking about, you know, going back to the Steph argument. So I'm not saying that this guy is definitely going to be top 10 all time. And I think that a lot of people probably think what I'm saying is blasphemous, given some of the choke jobs that he's had in the postseason. Um, and also the fact that he, he has no rings right now. Um, but he's just such a remarkable talent and one of the players, one of the defining players of his generation. So I just want to, I just wanted to pose, um, you take this opportunity to pose his name and kind of jut it into this conversation. And just, what do you think about, about James Harden potentially being a top 10 player? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flip this one on you and make you draw four. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take another rocket in the top 10 before I take him. And it's going to be Hakeem. Uh, because okay, we're talking about someone, to that. we're gonna we're we're gonna be talking about somebody that's won two championships, who was a league MVP, um, as many times as Harden was, in an era that maybe not in the years that they won the championship was, you know, I don't know if you'd say it more difficult because obviously the you know Harden had a pretty rough dynasty he had to go up against as well, but um, you know, someone that was maybe the most gifted, just kind of like athletic person i don't know i'm sure bill russell would argue against that but like 
just so graceful defensively was a defensive player of the year and an MVP in the same season, which Giannis, uh, you know, Giannis did that. And other than him and Michael, nobody else has. Uh, so just more balanced than Harden was. And, and I think the, the challenge that Harden would have, at least among our generation, I think as we get further removed from it, people will be less likely to know this about him. A lot of people argue that like Harden was not compelling to watch from the standpoint of, you know, that they felt like he was essentially kind of cheating in the margins as far mm-hmm. as trying to draw contact in an unnatural way, trying to trick referees into calling fouls. Um, he will not be the first guy to do that. He will not even be the first guy on that list to do that. Um, you know, there are other guys that if Luca becomes a top 10 player, okay, Luca complains a lot and Luca flops occasionally. And so does some of these other guys. So whatever, um, should it matter? No. Like, I think these are guys that know how to make better use of the rules or the better use of the loopholes or what have you. But yeah, as we were talking about that, and as you started mentioning Harden and I started thinking about Houston, I was like, man, I completely forgot that. I would make some arguments that I think you, you could make an argument that Hakeem is the best, the best center of all time. I don't know that I would agree with it, but I think you could make the argument. Um, you could certainly make the argument he's like the most balanced superstar of all time. You could make that, and I'd hear that out as well. Um, so I would probably put him in the top ten before I would have Harden there. And honestly, I think I would actually have him in my top ten in place of you know, like as we're talking about Katie and Steph and those guys. I would have. I think that those other guys have a little bit more to prove before I would put them ahead of Hakeem. Maybe not KD. Maybe I'd have KD ahead of Olajuwon, but Olajuwon would be right there. So good. So Hakeem, Ben Simmons, these are your these are guys that you're throwing in your top ten, right, Chris? Is that accurate? Yeah, Ben Simmons for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trade and beat, okay. as a matter of fact, because he's that much better than him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a wonderful place um, to end. <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, please keep sending the emails, and I know we only got to one on today's show, but we'll be opening up the mailbag again later this week with Rohan. So please keep the questions coming in. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, everybody, please uh, stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA offseason. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.